Let's pray together as we open God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the moments that we share. We thank you for your word that we can uh, learn from it, that it will change our lives. And we also pray that you'll speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit in ways that we understand so that it changes our lives, that we receive your love today and that we go out into your world to share your love. Amen. Okay, so today we're continuing our walk through Hebrews and we're in five and six. And it'd be really good if you wanted to in your own time just to read through because part of the storytelling that Sarah and I attempted to do is in there. Part of what I say today is in there, but not all of it is covered. So do have a look for yourselves. Ask God to speak to you. So I'm going to talk about three things, the priest the promise and the pool, okay? Now, the priest and the promise come from the text, and I'll explain those as we go. And the pool is in reference to the baptismal pool, which you'll see in front of you. And I felt that as I was thinking about this service and knowing what was happening at the seven, which is baptisms, um, I felt that God had given me an illustration to bring this to life. So I'll share that with you at the end. So Hebrews 5 and 6 continues this pattern of good news, everybody, followed by an awkward warning. Um, but today, we also have this image of the priest. So what's going on there? Let's have a think about the priest. For those who were receiving the letter, they would have understood this. For us, it might be a little bit removed. So the priest was the leader of God's people. That seems fairly all right. We can manage that. In some way, a person chosen by God and the priests would make a sacrifice or sacrifices to make everybody right with God. The priest was going to represent the people. And the priest had the acknowledgement that, like all people, they were too also broken. So it was, it was not a big pomp and ceremony, but it was a priest coming as a broken and weak, humble person. And actually, all the priests needed to understand that they needed the sacrifice as much as all of God's people. So the priest is called by God to offer this sacrifice. This would be regular. And the high priest would do this on a special and significant moment too. So you can imagine that this group of people have been brought up with this system. They would have understood the very things that we've just mentioned. But actually, they would have also wondered how does Jesus play into all this? We used to have a high priest. He's the one that does the sacrifice, and that's how we're made right with God. What are we supposed to do now? And they could have been quite disorientated by what Jesus had achieved. Well, what does it mean? What about the priest? What about the sacrifice? So the writer of the Hebrews is laying it out as clearly as possible. Jesus is the great high priest. He gives Jesus the once and for all high priest status. This means that Jesus is the greatest priest, the most significant ever. And the writer validates this. He's saying how Jesus lived a life of endurance, how he prayed, how he was called by God, how as just like the priests in those times did, he prayed, he submitted, he learnt, he taught, he even suffered. He became the source of the eternal sacrifice, the source of the eternal salvation for all. And then it goes on to say how Jesus was designated, selected by God to be that priest in the order of Melchizedek. So now there's no doubt, if you were thinking, if you were there, 
Who's our priest? What are we supposed to do with this sacrificial system? Well, now we know that the writer is saying, Jesus. The answer is Jesus. The good news is Jesus. The priest forever is Jesus. Then it comes with a bit of a warning a few minutes later, and that's the bit where the food comes in. And it's a bit like, the, you can imagine the writer's got a bit annoyed. Why am I still having to write stuff like this? Why can't we just move on in faith? Why are we stuck in the basics? He uses the picture language of milk. You go to milk when you're an infant, and then you move forward to solids when you're mature. But you lot, you still want milk. You still keep getting it wrong. But the writer wanted them to move on to the solid maturity, move forward in faith. The warning continues. It's a bit like, guys, do you not get it yet? Jesus is amazing. Why aren't you following him? There's also a contrast where he's like, don't throw away all that God has achieved through Jesus and continue to live these lives that aren't right, that aren't worthy of God. Don't crucify Jesus again, the writer puts. So for us, we're here. We're trying to learn how to walk the way of Jesus, trying to walk God's path together, following Jesus' footsteps, loving God and loving others, but also acknowledging that we need Jesus' forgiveness. We need Jesus to be our high priest, to be our sacrifice, so that we can be holy. We can't be holy on our own. We need Jesus. Without Jesus, there's no hope. But it also says in the passage that God is not unjust, that he won't forget us and he won't forget our love for him. So the writer calls the Hebrew uh, people to keep on going, keep up the faith. Don't get lazy, it says, I quite like that. Don't end up rejecting the reconciliation that God brings through his high priest because in the past God has done stuff for the people and they've forgotten or they've ignored, or they've got distracted and walked away. But this is also a reminder for us, like last week, keep our thoughts on Jesus. Ask Jesus to be in all our situations. He is the priest. Then we get this promise that pops up. This promise was the writer of Hebrews reminding them of their shared history. They're sharing their story. Their story is that they are the people of God and God has kept them safe. God's promise to Abraham was, I will give you descendants. They're part of that line. And it's impossible for God to have lied. So we now join in with that line of Abraham because we have a sure and secure hope that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises. Jesus for us is the forerunner. He's the one who went before. He's the one who links it all together. He shows us how to live. He became the high priest once and for all. He represents us. He cheers us on. He made the sacrifice on our behalf because he is the ultimate sacrifice. You see, the promise is that through Jesus' sacrifice, we are descendants of Abraham. We're all part of God's people. So if this sacrificial system somehow made us right with God, erased, wiped away, washes, cleanses in some way, then that promise is that Jesus is able to do that for all of us. His sacrifice on the cross erases, wipes, washes and cleans if we choose to follow Jesus. So then we get to the pool. That was the promise, and we've had the priest. So we're in the pool. 
And in, in the baptisms this evening and the re, uh, renewal of baptismal vows, our candidates will share their good news story. Why do they love Jesus? Why has Jesus made a difference? Why is the person that this book is all about relevant to them? They'll be part of remembering as a church what we believe and we'll make statements and they'll join in for the first time perhaps. Then they'll make their own promises to God. And as we lower them into the water to show that symbol of washing, it also has the symbolism that they die to their sin. They allow Jesus to be their sacrifice and they rise in peace with God. They rise as Jesus did, resurrected from their sin into fullness of life with Jesus. They accept Jesus once and for all sacrifice. It's made them right with God. So when I was sort of reading this and trying to work out the, the priestly bit, the promise bit, this sense of baptism came forward and it got me thinking. Did you ever go swimming as a kid? Anyone go swimming as a kid? Just let me get my safety, safety part. Well, I went swimming as a kid, and I was absolutely petrified. And the reason I was petrified was the whistling. You know what I mean, not the wolf whistle, not the... That's just inappropriate. The whistle, when you were up, you were at, I've lost my bit of string, I was there. You were swimming around. You were doing your thing. You were following the rules. But then somebody was wielding power from their high place, weren't they? They were up in their high place going, <laughs> and they'd point at you, and the whole swimming pool would look round. And you'd go, ooh. And there was a sign on the way in. I don't know whether you remember this sign. I didn't really understand it. It said heavy petting, but I've never taken my dog to the swimming pool. And so you're there messing around in the pool. You get whistled. The finger comes. Everybody looks at you. You go orange or red or whatever color you go when you're embarrassed. It's mortifying. And it got me thinking. As I thought about the swimming pool, as I thought about Jesus saving I just remembered the fear that the lifeguard was going to tell me off. The lifeguard was supposed to make it safe, but in my head, the lifeguard was out to get me. If that whistle went, that was it. I'm going to have to tell my mum, Mum, I got whistled today. What did you get whistled for? Well, it wasn't heavy petting, I promise. <laughs> the whistle blow, followed by the finger point, meant that you'd broken the rules, that somehow you'd fallen short of the pool etiquette. And I wonder whether people see God as the person at the top of the ladder with the whistle and the pointing finger. It got me thinking. Or perhaps they see the priest as somebody holy, set above, high and mighty. Or, or not, perhaps <laughs> Because you see, God isn't up in heaven blowing his whistle and judging us and saying, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that, that's bad behavior, you're out. I'm telling you, mum. But God 
is loving. He's not enforcing rules from a distance. And hopefully, people don't think that priests are enforcing rules at a distance. But actually, all of us fall short of the glory of God, and all of us need God's forgiveness. It's interesting, because occasionally you would see the lifeguard come down from their perch. But normally, that was in the direct response to save someone, to pull someone out of danger. And that got me thinking too, because our gospel is all about the person who holds the highest position, lowering themselves in order to save. When we baptize this evening, they will go into the water and come back out, a symbolism that they died and that they've been saved by Jesus. But this high position was something significant. For us as Christians, we know that Jesus was in the highest position, and yet he chose to come down in order to save. He chose to leap into action, to dive into the pool, if you like, in order to save the world. The priest himself, Jesus, came down from heaven and ministered among us and became the sacrifice. So as we watch the baptisms today, they'll choose to die and rise with Jesus. But for each one of us, we can choose that this morning too. So Hebrews 5 and 6 really are all about Jesus, no surprise, but they're also about the priest and the promise. The priest who has finished it once and for all to fulfill the promise of God so that you and I can be part of the family. The pool, hopefully, is that image that we can die and rise with Christ to. So where do we need God over the next week? For some of us, we might be crying out to God to rescue us. We might need to see, feel his presence close to us. Well, it says in our word that he wants to draw close to us. So let's ask him. Where do we need that promise of love? Maybe we need to share God's love with someone. But also, I think there's a sense for the church that we need to make sure we're not lifeguards that we're not sat up here on the moral high ground pointing and blowing our whistle and pointing out everybody else's faults. But actually, we need to come down and be fully active in God's world and point them to the one who should be the highest, which is Jesus, because he changes lives. So there you have it. You've got good news and warnings. It's all about Jesus. If it wasn't, I don't think I would be here. The priest, the promise, and the pool. So one of the things we're going to do as an opportunity to respond and bring to life, if you like, the illustration of the pool, is as we sing a song together, there's an opportunity to come forward, and if you're on the balcony, please do come down, and to dip your finger, and if you've been baptised, you would have been signed with a cross, And so you can come and renew your faith, renew your baptism promise by signing the cross on your forehead once you've dipped your finger. If you've not been baptized but you still want to come forward, please do. You can still sign yourself with a cross and know that Jesus is your high priest. Because we all need to be baptized. We all need to receive that washing, that cleansing 
that promise of certain and sure hope which only the priest, Jesus, can give. Let me pray for us, then the band will sing, and then we'll respond to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us in so many different ways. And as we look at your word, will you continue to speak to us about the priest, the promise. And as we're invited now to respond with the pool, will you, will you make something of your kingdom come in this place? Will you show us through the power of your Holy Spirit that you're at work here? Come Holy Spirit, we pray.